You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. Up the floor. Reza dropped down. Kobe! Blocked by LeBron. That basketball will never be the same. So that now has entered the fray. Oh, oh, wait a minute. And welcome back to Hardwood Radio. Ben, we're down to four team. We're down to the final four in the madness that is March Madness in college basketball. Syracuse, man. um yeah you know in um in march madness there are only a couple stages that really count uh the sweet 16 really counts because it means you beat the first weekend the final four really counts too because it means you beat the second weekend and then there's a winner everybody else is forgotten in history and syracuse who had the worst last couple of years, they have been caught red-handed cheating, uh, sending staff members doing exams for uh, the players. They went through a self-ban of the postseason last year. Uh, their recruiting crops really suffered because of it. And what do you know? Jim Beheim outcoached the hell out of uh, Virginia and figured a way out to figure his way into the um, final four. I was really, really impressed with that game. No, absolutely. And so we'll just go back to the Sweet 16, even their victory in the Sweet 16 to move on to uh, the Elite Eight and then move on. It's Syracuse has been the only underdog, quote-unquote, because, yes, they've been ranked 10 favorite in their region, but were able to win that region. It was basically an underdog that wasn't truly an underdog, but embraced the underdog storyline and just went with it and created basically the, the most long worthy aspect of the storyline in this tournament because outside of that is all number ones if you look at that, Oklahoma t- technically is a number one but they're number yes. two versus Villanova and North Carolina has been the everybody's favorite and it's basically the favorite that's left because of Michigan State been uh, ousted quite early so uh, what do you what matchup do you interest you the most in those two in the final four Oklahoma Villanova which is a great story because it's a number two as well so it's number two versus number two and UNC and Syracuse number one versus number ten well, uh, Syracuse is really interesting, but the two teams that really caught my heart that I really enjoy watching are uh, Oklahoma and Villanova. Um, Oklahoma has a very uh, pro team. Like they play, these guys play like pros, which is not something you should necessarily do in uh, college because the rules are uh, the rules are made so that uh, you would you would be disadvantaged, but they had such a um, they have such an athletic edge that they can manage to push the pace and outshoot and outwork the opponents. And what happened in the Elite Eight is they ran Oregon off the floor. Oregon had a very competitive team, uh, athletically speaking, but they just kept pushing the pace and putting pressure on the defense. And the our poor 
Christopher Boucher, like her her, her national uh, her her best Quebecer in the tournament uh, this year. He was uh, completely outworked by um, by the guards of uh, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma has this superstar and emotional leader. I know I've been breaking your ears for many weeks about him, but Buddy Hield, <laughs> wow, he is he scored thirty seven points. Uh, he shot eight out of thirteen for three points. He's a guy who has a way a big NBA range. It was very impressive. There, he had a lot of help from Jordan Woodard and Isaiah Cousins in the backcourt, but he took um, they took fifty eight shots during the game, and he took twenty of them. Yeah, Buddy Hill is one of the players in this tournament that really upgraded his value and actually upgraded his chance to climb higher in that draft next year if he declares himself available because there was Ingram from um, Duke and uh, Simmons, which didn't make the tournament with LSU. Those were the big names for number one. But if you're looking at Buddy Hield, he's the one that actually shined the most in this tournament. Oh, uh, without the shadow of a doubt. Normally, I'd say... Um, senior all-stars, senior basketball superstar, always take them with a grain of salt because if they haven't made the jump from uh, college to the FBA yet, it's because there's something wrong with their athleticism, there's something wrong with their range. But Buddy Hield has gotten significantly better uh, with every year. He wasn't a superstar last year. This year, he took command of his team. He dominated athletically on the court every game he was involved in. He, uh, I'm not sure that he will be taken in the top five because his age is going to scare uh, a lot of people. He's 22 years old. To give you a, a, um, an example, Carl uh, Towns with, and, uh, and uh, Christoph Porzingis are 19 and 20. Yes. So he's 22 years old, and but it, Boston might take a flyer out of him if they if they draft four, uh, three or four. But if not, he's going in the top ten for sure. But does age really? I think it might be beneficial for him to stay in college a little longer because if you're looking at the history of NBA long time ago, they used to always say the four years in college and come mm-hmm. into professional, more developed, all-around player. Yes, there were one of them fast and might not have been as high, and they got better. If you're looking at Buddy Hill now, he got better with his more college years. Once he get to the NBA, he might be a more, most rounded player that he can use a different position of the game because of his experience in college. So that could be beneficial to a team like you mentioned, maybe Boston or a team that is more, not necessarily needed need a messiah but it's somebody that can play day in day out it's a good point you're making and i think there's a little bit of um scouting crap involved in that uh in that superstition and that dogma um every couple of years or so there's a senior that makes everybody else bite the dust most seniors i would say have something about their game that don't add up but once in a while there's this guy like now this year there's buddy Hill. three years ago there was damian lillard and the Charlotte Bobcats back then passed on Damian Lillard because he was a senior. They drafted Michael Kilgilchrist, who is a fine player, but they turned their back on the leader of men that, that Damian Lillard has become uh, in order to draft Kid Gilchrist. And Buddy Hill has a lot of Damian Lillard in him. He's going to make a lot of teams bite the dust. Uh, he could be going to Boston to... Um, to Minnesota, he would be so good in Minnesota uh, because a lot of the offensive uh, workload would be taken by Towns and Wiggins. He could go to Denver. 
he could help a lot of teams right away, and he's going to help a lot of teams right away. Now, in this Final Four game, Oklahoma-Villanova, yes. would you consider Oklahoma the favorite in that game because of the way they played, the way they dispatched teams in that tournament, and the way they looked? I would say so. Um, Villanova versus Kansas with a pretty darn ugly game to watch. Um, I got the numbers here. Uh, Villanova shot for 40% and 22% from downtown. And the Jayhawks shot for 46% and 27% from downtown. Uh, it's no question to me that the Jayhawks were the most talented teams, but they were completely outworked by a maniacal, fast-paced Villanova. And um, Oklahoma is every bit as fast-paced and maniacal as uh, Villanova, but they're more athletic. They're, uh, they're, I think, a better shooting team. I think Oklahoma is going to win it by something very, um, uh, very uh, uh, decisive, like 12 points or something. Now, North Carolina, Syracuse. North Carolina, a, a, one of the biggest programs in the country, in the history of yes. college basketball. Oh, a yeah. very type of conservative program still to this day with their style of play against mm -hmm. a Syracuse team that has surprised a lot of people. What do you expect in that game? Um, that's a good question. I don't know what to expect out of Syracuse anymore. Um, the, um, I'm expecting a lot of pressure on the offensive boards, uh, a lot of physical game from UNC. Bryce Johnson is not going to let, um, the, um, the orange get off, get away with any easy rebound. And that's what, uh, Bryce Johnson is good at. And that's why, what the, uh, orange are rather weak at. So I think they're going to exploit that um, that weakness a lot, but I'm sure Jim Buheim is going to prepare for it, is going to keep the ball off uh, off the offensive board as much as possible, is going to maximize every one of his chances. Uh, he is a leader of men. He is a fine tactician. I am going to go with um, UNC in the thriller. I'm going to go with UNC in the thriller, and I'm going to go with in the finals with Oklahoma in the thriller with a buddy heel buzzer beater to win uh, the championship. All right, now who, who, who do you have? To that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I do see Oklahoma and Buddy Heel beat Villanova and probably upset North Carolina in the championship game. Good, good. Like we need more buddy in our lives. We always need more Buddy. Everybody loves Buddy. Even Bill Simmons is completely crazy about him. He keeps talking about Buddy showing his genitals during games. Oh, that's maybe a little <laughs> too much, but yeah. <laughs> meaning, mean, meaning he just challenges the other team's superstar players. Like, show me what you got. Oh, and okay. When you put it this way, I can agree. He keeps making shots and making shots. And that's why he's so fascinating. And that's why they're going to win. All right, so I would predict Oklahoma, and you predict North Carolina against Syracuse, I figure? Uh, yes. All right, and uh, now the draft declaration update. We mentioned a couple of days of our last show the, the couple of notable names that declared themselves to the draft. Any yes. big name that declared since last week? Um, there was a lot of action, actually. Uh, first of all, Chris Dunn uh, was, as soon as we talked, declared for the NBA draft. And he's going to be drafted in the top five. I think he's going to Minnesota. I think he's going to make Minnesota uh, a lot better by having a point guard who can shoot. And expect Ru Ricky Rubio to change team this summer. Um, what else? Oh, Malik Newman uh, uh, declared, 
but um, won't hire an agent. If he won't hire an agent, it means he has the right to go back to school. This is an interesting move because Newman was a highly touted recruit um, that Mississippi State got a couple uh, a couple of months ago, but he didn't very really deliver it in his freshman season. He looks like uh, like a, a kid who needs to go back to high school to 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 college. Pardon me. Okay. Uh, for at, for at least another season, he is. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Buddy Hill. Is a very is uh, a charging guard who can slash and make buckets. He's not a very good shooter yet. There was a Bleacher Report made a video of uh, Steph Curry giving him shooting uh, lessons uh, a couple years ago when he was 15 years old or so. He was, he was a good shooter, but in a game with athletic defenders, it's very, uh, it's very difficult sometimes to make uh, strong shots. I don't think he's ready. I think he's going back into the draft. Um, even more interesting, John Calipari from Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, declared every draft uh, eligible player from Kentucky to declare. That is really weird. He just uh, doesn't want him back. You're like, I want a new team. You guys go away. That is really weird because he has a lot of players who are just not ready. Scal LeBissier, who was hailed as the next Anthony Davis out of high school, could barely score six points a game in, uh, in college. Isaiah Briscoe was caught behind, behind Tyler Ulis all year. What is he going to do in the draft? He's not even ranked as a top recruit. If I was Isaiah Briscoe, I would uh, ask for a transfer if uh, John Calipari is going to move him to the draft because he has an all-star uh, high school. Uh, he has a McDonald's all-star point guard coming next year, De'Aaron Fox. Um, there's uh, Charles Matthews, too, also their shooting guard, who has no business in the draft this year. So that was really weird. Uh, Stefan Zimmerman from UNLV is going to declare. I think he's going to go in the mid-teens, maybe in the early 20s. He's going to be a very good pro. I think he's still uh, there's still a lot of potential to him. He's a very lanky seven-footer. Um, Tim Quarterman from LSU. It was um, Ben Simmons's point guard. He's a junior, uh, which means if he doesn't, he didn't go for a senior season. It means like there's something rotten with the program that he wants to leave. He's going to attract a lot of attention. He's a Big guard. He's six foot six. Uh, he plays point guard. I think a lot of teams are going to knock at his door from Ben uh, for the next draft season. And he's not going. He's not going to re-enter. This guy is hiring an agent, and he's going to um, he's going to um, enter the draft and have a very good career as a pro. Maybe not a starting point guard, but he's have, he's going to have a good career. And last name we got uh, yesterday is Shake Diallo from. Um, Kansas. Sheikh Diallo was an absolute horror movie for recruiters last uh, last uh, tournament. He completely disappeared in the Villanova game. He is not ready. I hope for his sake that he comes back. Um, he should get more minutes next year. And given the miserable crop of recruits that Kansas is getting, he should uh, get the attention it deserves. Well, here's a question for you, uh, Ben, yeah. that actually makes me wonder. Because you mentioned the example of a player that's highly touted, then mm-hmm. goes into the tournament and is struggling and not having the result 
that is expected of him, so his value is dropping when it comes to yes. where he's going to draft. If you're looking at a player like Simmons, he's almost like benefiting from not playing into that tournament because, well, if he would have made it, his team would have not really been good and would have not necessarily achieved expectation and he would have, his value would probably been dropped. The fact that his team weren't picked probably is beneficial for him because, well, he's not under those bright lights, so he cannot fail and that way his value is not going to drop, maybe still pick first overall. Uh, yeah, I don't think the draft would have moved the needle all that much for him because everybody's in love with him. Uh, I mean, the tournament, pardon me. Um, he, like, see, uh, Brendan Hingram had a great uh, tournament and he is still, people are still debating whether him or Simmons is going to go number one. Uh, I think Simmons had no losing options by declaring in the draft whether he played or not. But um, other players, lesser players, lesser um, uh, surefire picks uh, have everything to lose in the tournament. All Guys right. like Sheikh Diallo, for example. All right. Now, it's a trophy season starting in the next uh, two weeks. Yes, uh, at we'll, the start of the playoffs. Exactly. So we'll uh, start by the, not necessarily the least important, by, but the, from the less prestigious to maybe the most prestigious. Okay, go ahead. Well, it's the list we have both in front of us. <laughs> Rookie <laughs> of the year. Um, I would have loved for my boy Kristaps Porzingis to uh, win Rookie of the Year, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, he had a little he... drought in the bad timing in like the middle of the season. He has start- oh. restarted back last couple of weeks, but yeah. Oh, he hit the rookie wall. He's yeah, very exactly. tired. He's not used to 82-game season, and his body isn't. Um, it's a no-brainer this year. Uh, Minnesota's Carl Anthony Towns has been the most reliable, has been the most mature-looking rookie out there, and he can do crazy things for Sander. He was going to win the Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to have a unanimous ballot, and he's going to be a badass player for a, a decade at least. Now, the most improved player, and there's going to be some conversations here that, <laughs> well, uh, because I do agree with you, but Statistically, there's even a better choice probably to be made here. Yeah, I gave it to CJ McCollum because uh, I don't know how um, how uh, the um, voters are going to uh, react to giving it to Steph Curry. Uh, CJ McCollum went from bench player to a lead scorer, a uh, co-lead scorer with Damian Lillard over overnight almost. He imp- he went from zero to 100 really, really quick. Uh, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NBA now that he has gained confidence, now that he knows he can make uh, uh, the, the, the baskets uh, night in, night out. Yes, Steph Curry improved tremendously. Yes, he could be winning it. Uh, but uh, McCollum... Who drove? Who who dragged his team in the playoffs along with Damian Lillard? Uh, I think deserves it. I mean, it's just statistically when you look at the numbers that mm-hmm. uh, Steph Curry did, or just the mm-hmm. stats that he made compared to last oh, yeah. year. In his improvement, the percentage is still better than everybody else's stats. And just oh, yeah. statistically speaking, if you call a trophy the most improved player, well. Mm-hmm the player that's improved the most should win it. So d- regardless if he's a superstar or not, right? Because it has to be uh, deserving. doesn't matter what oh. status of player it is. Oh, yeah. Usually it's given to someone who makes the leap from prospect to superstar, but I would not be surprised if Steph Curry wins it either way. Like, not at all. 
the sixth man of the year, the best bench player this year um, in the NBA? It's a weird trophy because the sixth man of the year is often given to a very similar type of player, to a spark plug off the bench, a guy who can get off the bench and get you some points very quick. There's no love for defensive players. There's no love for playmakers. Uh, it's always given to the same type of player. I gave it to Jeremy Lin because he is the only sixth man this year who helped his team get into the playoffs because Charlotte is going into the playoffs. They are not maybe not statistically qualified, but they are they are going whether they're a sixth or an eighth seed. Uh, they're, they're making the playoffs this year, and every other contender is missing the playoffs. I think Will Barton is more of a factor for his team. Will Barton, who plays for Denver, uh, than Jeremy Lin, and I think Victor Oladipo in uh, Orlando is even a, is, a, is also a bigger factor. But at the end of the day, when you uh, crunch the numbers, it's not they did not help their team get in the playoffs. And Jeremy Lin's heat uh, heat checks totally did. He just buried the Spurs like a couple a couple days ago. Now the defensive player of the year, which for a team that's basically lost. What? Seven games so far this year, which is mind-boggling because we're yes. in almost April. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a toss-up again this year between Draymond Green and Kawhi Leonard, who are uh, way above everybody else in that category. They're not. They're above every other big man. They're above every other guard. Um, I gave it to Draymond Green this year, not only because Kawhi won it last year, but because if you remove them from the equation thanks to basketballreference.com you uh, realize that um, Kawhi has a lesser impact on his team's defensive rating than Draymond when Draymond is off the floor for the Warriors they, they um, suffer uh, more than when Kawhi is off the floor for the um, for the Spurs they are both excellent they are both above everybody else but this year i gave it to dream now one thing that people are going to be surprised about because yes we mm. talked about the warriors and how dominant mm. they've been but your choice for coach of the year is probably the team that's been even more consistent than the warriors this year i i debated giving it to rick carlisle for half of the season we <laughs> talked about this before yeah. But Rick Carlisle and the Mavericks are falling out of the playoffs. Their three guards lineup don't work anymore. People have figured them out. And Carlisle is very stubborn about not playing his, his rookies, even if the most athletic player. Well, I went with a surefire option, and I went with Greg Popovich this year. I think he won it three, two or three times already. He has outcoached every other coach at least once this year. He has... Uh, asserted his dominance over the NBA. Just when we thought the, the Warriors had their number, he muzzled them and kept them at the whopping 79 points. Uh, I'm not sure he has the effective to go all the way. Um, his guys are very old, but he's going to ensure the transition and he's going to make a deep playoff run this year again. I think he's been the most consistent coach year in, year out. Uh, this year, and um, not to mention that Steve Kerr has has missed half of the season. 
So I think it goes to Greg Popovich. It's go I think it's going to be a unanimous ballot again. Now, the Executive of the Year, which is a kind of weird trophy, but the NBA has been one of the first league to actually recognize the general managers or builders of the team every year with a trophy. So who would be your choice for the Executive of the Year this year? I've struggled with giving it to uh, Masai Ujiri from the Raptors, who has uh, added very carefully to his team and has made great non-transactions which are the greatest uh, thing you can do as a, G as a GM. Yeah, remember that Vinny LeCavalier trade that would never happen with the Habs? The <laughs> exactly. goddamn good thing it never happened. You can say <laughs> the same they, thing in basketball. I think they gave Subban and Price for... Uh, uh, they, uh, they were supposed to give Subban and Price for LeCavalier. Something was, like that, yeah, exactly. It was, it was completely stupid. and But he, he resisted uh, Ujiri at the pressure of trading... Um, the Rosen and Laurie and to beef up his uh, roster and add, added very carefully in order to bolster the chemistry. But this year I gave it to uh, the guy with the most assets in the league right now, Danny Ainge from Boston. Uh, the, the Celtics have been making everybody sing and dance this year because they have every card in uh, their uh, in their hand, they have a lot of draft picks. They have a lot of assets. They are in a power position. Uh, they have been resurrected from the dead. They are, I think, they're the seventh best team in the year in the league this year, and they don't even have an, an offensive option. And th things are only looking up. They are loaded with draft picks for the following years. They are going to be a lean, mean, scary machine starting probably next year. So Danny Ainge. Job well done. Now, the last trophy, uh, well, it's not even going to be a question. It's not even going to be a debate. It's not even going to be like, we should not even have a ballot about it. We should just yeah. give him the trophy right away. Yeah, Steph Curry. MVP. Course, trophy. Yeah, yeah, MVP Curry. I think he's going to get every first first place ballot. And every first, second, and third place. Oh, yeah. That's it. Guys are going to write his name multiple times on the... Uh, Yeah, it's it's not even a question. No other player has been so vital to their team as Steph Curry this year. We saw with like the two three games that he missed due to injuries. How oh yeah, different the team looked. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't have because because basically they run every play for him or uh, Clay Thompson, right? Or through they him. They run. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Very little play. Don't finish uh, via these two. A little bit via um, um, Harrison Barnes, but not that much. And uh, if he's missing, the dominoes are falling and the, um, the Warriors are half of what they should be. They're still a very, very good team, but they're not a uh, champion. So, yeah, Steph Curry, hands down, MVP uh, of the NBA this year. Again, he repeats. So those are our prediction for the trophy, the tro the trophy yes. this year. Now, before we move on to the prospect of the week, Ben, there's a little worrisome news coming out of Toronto. Kyle uh, Lowry yesterday had some fluid drained from his elbow after the trashing that the, uh, they received, and well, today he had some treatment as well. So his elbow has a, uh, it's called a bursit. So that's it's something that happens a lot to NBA players. It's the wear and tear of always falling on the court, hitting your joints, and eventually creates infections, inflammation, and he had some fluid drained out of it. So there's a little bit of yes. pain and soreness. So that would explain how badly he was shooting last night. But uh, 
Does Toronto can Toronto afford to not have a hundred percent calorie heading into the last stretch and the playoffs? Um, I would sit him down if necessary. I would do anything for Kyle Lowry to get better because they need him to be a hundred percent for the playoffs. So should should shut him down until the end of the year. Make give minutes to Delon Wright. They have they have claimed their playoff spot. They um. They deserve they deserve it. Get Kyle Lowry in shape because if Kyle is not there, there will be it's not going to be uh, very nice. It's not they're not going to look good in the playoffs and they're going to uh, fall over in the first or in the second round. He is the heart and soul of this team. Uh, even Demar Derozan is not going to look as good if Kyle Lowry is not creating for him. Uh, Please, Dwayne Casey, sit down Kyle Lowry for two weeks and have him ready for the playoffs because this is bad news. For a guy who plays a helter-skelter type of game like Lowry, it's very bad news because it's going to happen again and he's uh, he's going to get hurt again. So make sure to heal every one of his injuries properly it's funny that you mentioned Dwayne Casey because today at the practice center the Toronto Raptors after practice he talked about the situation he's like we're not going to shut him down we're going to make him play we're going to monitor the situation daily to see if he needs to be rested to see if we need to play we're going to maybe rest him here and there but he actually explained openly what the injury was to Calari, explaining the burst, explaining how it happened, explaining why it's important and why he's actually shooting better. He's like, he's not shooting good, that's because of this. His leg is fine, his body's fine, he's able to do cardio, he's able to do everything he needs to stay in shape. Basically, what he said is, don't judge his shooting until the playoff because of that burst. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know why he wants to keep playing it, but that's typical Dwayne Casey to me. Uh, maybe he's listening to Lowry a little bit too much. Um, I really don't. I really don't think it's a. It would be a good idea. I think that. Uh, I think that he is. Uh, he wants to uh, calm down the uh, rumors. He wants to keep his players in line. Uh, just, just set him down. <laughs> just make sure he's going to be okay for the playoff, and the team will be okay. Now, to finish the show, Ben, as always, yes. it's become a yes. tradition here on Hardwood Radio, your yes. prospect of the week. Well, you know, every week I watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos. I fall in a wormhole. And now, because, just to say how uh, deep your wormhole heals, you mentioned the McDonald's program earlier. That's high school <laughs> level best guys in the region that make the team in the whole country. And you even follow oh, yeah. that. So that's how deep the wormhole of basketball you oh. fall into. And I'm going even deeper sometimes. I'm going with high school mixtapes and like really grainy footage. But uh, it's very cool because now that I have the we have the podcast, I can tell my girlfriend I'm preparing for the podcast. I actually have and a reason just... to do this. I'm doing research. Trust me, it's <laughs> and, true. And this year, I just see this year. Pardon me. This week, I have uh, I have uh, scouted a prospect that I have completely ignored all year. And I was very surprised. Big Henry Ellenson, power forward for Marquette. Marquette were terrible this year. Uh, Ellenson chose them because he's a Wisconsin boy. Uh, they look terrible. They kind of buried him in their own mediocrity. But he's a big guy. Um, he can run up and down the floor. Uh, he can shoot, which is very important. He's not very nimble on his feet. 
but uh, he can rebound. He's very big. He's very strong. Um, and the more I was watching footage of him, and the more I was brought back of a certain guy to a certain guy named Kevin Love who played for UCLA in uh, 2008 with, along with Russell Westbrook. Uh, he can do a lot of things that Love uh, used to. Is, uh, shooting, rebounding, outworking uh, the guys physically. He might not be as good as Love was, or maybe his program was just keeping him from showing his true potential. But he should be a maybe a B version of Kevin Love's in the pro. Now, something that's going to interest you, um, he is, is a prospect that might slip in the draft. He might, if he does not go in the top 10, he might end up in the 20s uh, very late because he has a very particular skill set. Um, I think that two teams are going to take a hard look at him in the top 10. There's going to be um, uh, Milwaukee, who needs shooting more than they need oxygen right now. Uh, they need floor spacing really bad. And there's going to be the Toronto Raptors, who have the ninth or 10th pick, depending on how, it's, how uh, New York is going to finish the year. Um, they have a lot of patchy solutions at the four. They have Patrick Patterson, who can only shoot. They have Damari Carroll, who is playing a style of basketball that is very hard on his body. And they have a... Uh, uh, they will look at Henry Allenson, and he would be a good addition next to um, uh, Jonas Valenciunas. He could, he can also play uh, the five on the smaller lineups because he has the proper skill set to do so. I am, I'd be very uh, eager to see him in Toronto. So keep an eye on this guy. He's not making a lot of noise this year, but he is going to be a better NBA player than a college player. Ben. Have a great Final Four. And again, thank you, sir. Have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.